the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hi-dee-ho. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. With live within your means. Wow, that's no fun, is it? Set goals. These are some of the truisms that I've thrown down. Save enough to last until the day you die. That's kind of a tough one, right? Starting to say things like die. Don't create too much debt. Try to have a budget. You know, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I here's one thing that I try to bring to the table when I do this show. Is, is as much honesty as I can. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much. I want to hold you till the die until we both break down and cry. Um, I, I'm horrible at budgets. I've, I've, I've hated budgets my whole life. I, I have multiple budgets. I've got my retirement budget, my savings. I got my vacation. Ah, uh, and that's where I screw myself. Or I used to say things like, I'm going to buy one CD a month. Do you remember when you bought CDs? And they're like twelve ninety nine, and sometimes you like a brand new one would be like fifteen ninety nine. You're like, oh, what if it sucks? And there's almost nothing you could do about it, which is okay. But sometimes you'd break that budget. You'd go, okay, instead of buying one a month, I'm gonna buy two, because you wanted more music. You wanted kind of a something to impress. A library of CDs. Ooh. I know, I know, it's embarrassing, right? Um. So, yeah, I, I talk a lot about the basics, basic stuff and like short term focus. I don't have short term focus. I have long term focus in investing. I take a look at situations like Republicans or Democrats or taxes or tax cuts or tariffs. Like to me, I, I, I don't look short term. <laughs> it's not going to do me any good. When I start thinking about retirement, I hope I start thinking about it about five years in advance, which for the record, if there's a seminar, you should come because you can start thinking about what you're going to need to think about. Or if you're at that age where you're five years from retirement, now's the time to act. In my opinion, it's so tough. Sometimes someone will send me an email and they're like, I'm 42 years old. I've got $200,000. I have $1 million of life insurance. I have a wife. And I'm like, okay, there's so much more to it than that. But I get why people want to go that direction. Makes it a lot uh, friendlier, so to speak, as far as you know, digesting how far you are from your goal or not. And people like to know that kind of stuff. One of the reasons short-term focus doesn't really work terribly well, but it's it, what's interesting about it is short-term focus is probably the area where most people try to rip you off either with their knowledge so that they can get a transaction and a commission from you or just with their knowledge and trying to you know, be all that in a bucket of chicken. So the stock has gone down 
in the short term when the stock market has gone down in the short term and people start to focus on that and they go, what's the first thing they go? What's wrong? So if Apple goes from like 193 to 180, but last year it went from 100 to 180, people are like, oh, it's gone from 193 to 180. What's wrong? Stocks go down. It's normal. It's healthy. It could be an institution who's overhauling a portfolio and pushing some redemptions. Subsequent, subsequent selling pressure can you know push the stock down short term. Nothing changed at the company. They still have all their key employees. They still have all their key product. They still have all their revenue growers. So it could be a rumor that pulls a stock down in the short term. It could be profit taking. It could be a tie. For instance, you know, let's tie two things together. Oil prices go up. Uh, people start becoming a little bit more conscious of gasoline prices. They buy cars that have better gas mileage and and less profits in the in the in the, in the gas mileage cars versus the uh, gas guzzlers. So I think the short term is where people get it all wrong, where they kind of start making mistakes and become their own worst enemy. Have you ever fallen in love? I just met Ariana Grande and I'm in love and we're going to get married. I put a big rock on her finger. And, and then like a month later, you're like, she doesn't have to boil water. And I shouldn't say Ariana Grande because she's a lovely, lovely human being and she's spoken for. But if you ever short term, fuck it, like it doesn't work. And that's why it's so easy to scam people because they're, they're so caught up in short term love, short term money, short term, you know, cheating. What can I do to get ahead? Market timing is a scam, in my opinion. And that's, again, it's the short-term focus thing that people kind of say, I've got, you know, voodoo, I've got, you know, chicken bones. So chicken bones, chicken bones, chicken bones. Um, show me a market timer worth $10 million. Show me someone who turned 10000 to $10 million. $10,000 doubled every four months, and you've heard the commercials is $5.3 trillion. Do you think there's anyone who's on that? And if they could do it consistently, why would they sell it to you? I've never understood that. Like, why you fall for it? Hey, uh, at the, the training academy, we're going to teach you how to trade just like the professionals. Ah, see, there's the rub. Short term, they're going to teach you everything the professional knows, and they're going to teach it to you in one, two, or three hours, right? Or they're going to come up with software just like the professionals use with our, our algorithm that you can never, ever do yourself. So... <clears throat> The tough part about this is that's not what moves stocks. And that's not, you know, how to make money over time. Over time, you're looking for a company that is functioning inside of the world of capitalism, in my opinion. Because you could buy, you could find a company in, you know, communist China in the 1970s, and it wasn't going to go anywhere because it was communist China in the 1970s. So four things drive a stock higher or a stock market. You need a healthy market. A healthy industry, for instance, there's a big difference between the utility stocks as an industry and tech stocks. Utilities are very boring. They're very regulated. We, we can see them coming from a mile away. And thus, they're not very volatile because their visibility is huge. So four things drive a stock. You have to have a healthy stock market, capitalism, GDP growth. You have to have a good industry. If you want to beat the market, you're going to be taking more risk. If you want to you know, be an orphan or an, a granny kind of investor where you don't have any risk tolerance, then you stick with utilities usually. you know, Every now and then there will be a company like an Enron that comes on the market that's trading energy. You're like, oh, is that a utility stock? No, it's not. It's a trading company. So 
anyhow and anyway, um, financial news is it differs like golden clay. I really like Bloomberg. I really dislike CNBC. It's just like the Wall Street Journal is different than Investors Business Daily. I like the Wall Street Journal. I like the Financial Times. I like Bloomberg. If it comes down to it, I'd rather get a, a story from like an AP Newswire. But you got to realize a lot of what's out there is just press releases. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. We could talk about trillion dollars. And the big headlines that Apple created with the trillion-dollar stock. Investors, though, in my opinion, can sometimes get caught up in that like headline, that PR, that sizzle, that steak. Mmm, delicious, right? Apple stole the headlines by being the first one to a trillion dollars. But what's that mean? And what, what, what should we still own Apple? Investors should focus on a different trillion dollars, in my opinion. And how it influences the market. And it's about, all about buybacks and how corporate America is, are buying back trillions of dollars. Not trillions. Trillion dollars. Their own share. So public companies are going to repurchase with excess cash when they feel sexy and good about the company. They say, we don't need that cash. We should buy back our own shares. That's not. That's oversimplifying it. But it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Eh, it, it's potentially a good thing for a shareholder, right? Because like, what if they use that cash for something else? Instead of buying back $5 billion of their own shares, why didn't they buy Netflix way back when they could have? So annual U.S. share buyback activity is going to hit $1 trillion this year. That's pretty impressive. It's right around now when they hit that. And of course, part of that's Trump's administration and the Tax Reform Act, where a lot of cash came back to the United States at a lower tax rate. A lot of it is corporations. Some of them just make a ton of money. That's Irish for a ton of money. And uh, what are they going to do with their cash? It's not a bad thing. If you're a long-term patient shareholder, it's a way for the company to increase their earnings per share outlook. It's a little financial engineering. It's also a way for them to use um, billions of dollars of compensation for employees by issuing billions of dollars of shares. And then by buying back said billions of dollars of shares is the way of saying, okay, we love our employees, but we also love our shareholders. We're not going to hurt them in the process. A company is, in theory, a human being. The buyout, blackout period is out there. And more than 80% of firms in the S&P 500 reported results and can now start doing their, their buybacks. So earnings season comes every three months, January, February, March. So it comes in April usually, right? So in March, they can't buy back their own shares. For 30 days before, it, it's like a shh, shh, shh. So after someone like Apple reports their their earnings and they have a lot of cash, if the stock dips, they're actually in a pretty good position to use it. So that's out there. Let's talk a little bit more about Apple. It's a company that I get a lot of questions about. What should I do with my shares of Apple now that it's worth a trillion dollars? And I'll be honest with you, I'm in the process of figuring that out. The world has watched Apple really stunned and turned into a Cupertino Colossus. 
I know you're saying you should patent that. Already did. Um, so it trades at about 15 times next year's earnings. That's not crazy. So that makes it 5% less expensive than the S&P 500. And some people would say it should be more expensive than the S&P 500. Some people would say it's too big. If you've ever, you know, the, the law of big things, right? I know you're saying there's no such thing as law of big things. Just work with me on this, okay? If you're a 500-pound boxer, it's tough to become a 1,000-pound boxer. You might be able to get 510, 515, 520. But the law of big numbers do, does start to catch up with you. Apple's on its way to a, tr- a premium price because two years ago, it was 30% cheaper than the market. Now it's just 5% cheaper than the market. So is it moving towards a premium v- value uh, price? Yeah. Be careful with that. Because when it's a value, there's, uh, there's kind of a net beneath it. Some people worry about value traps. Investors are finally beginning to give the iPhone maker credit for more than its handset volumes. And we've started seeing that swell in trading of the services and accessories. The setup for handsets going into the fall is promising. I'm still editing down the last 10 years of Apple Photos before I pay for Apple Photos or Apple uh, Cloud. And you're saying, don't do that, don't do that. Just go to Google. But Google's got that, like, it, it kind of messes up your, your quality a little bit with Google don't. Drive. Google Photos. Google Maps. Google, 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 Google. I like both Apple and Google. Great Googly Moogly. But if you look at Apple compared with a broader market on a valuation basis, as far as risk goes going forward, if the Trump war escalates, is it going to hurt Apple? Sure. They still kind of got that services thing going because once I get Apple to do my online photos, I don't want to give a bob because, like, I don't want to manage that again. And what if there's a fire like Santa Rosa where a whole home can burn down? Customers want Apple you know, to meet pent-up demand at times. But you know what? Apple says, you know what? We've got a $1,000 phone. And even if we don't hit demand, we have a $1,000 phone. We are a luxury item with a big, fat profit margin attached to it. So the 10th anniversary of the iPhone, we were looking at sort of a kind of a super cycle. Everyone was going to turn in their phones at the same time. That didn't happen. It's been nice. Sales are the year of September, their quarter. We're expected to reach about 243 million handsets. That's up 12% year over year. That's stellar if you look at how saturated the, the phone market is. But it's also kind of like, uh-oh, it's a saturated phone market. But there's more to Apple than the iPhone unit growth. The company could win the race to tri- triple digits. Done. Ding, 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 ding. Now they've got that title. Revenues from services including the App Store, Music Streaming, Movie Rentals, Apple Care Repair, online storage, it's growing quickly. If they were to spin that off, that would create an enormous amount of value So, um, for the company, and it would create a growth stock. Gadgets beyond the iPhones, iPads, Mac computers. So gadgets beyond iPhones, iPads, and Mac are selling well, like the AirPods, which are wireless earbuds, essentially, and the Apple Watch 3, which brings standalone phone service. I was cleaning a big cabin and I didn't know where my phone was, but my watch goes, ding, your house is burning down. Well, I didn't say that, but I got a phone call. So do I see Apple being able to run to 207, 220? It's possible. I'm still working on that. And I'll get back to you when I have more. You know, some of the other products that Apple has that could work is Apple TV. I've been playing more with Roku as I'm going through the process of cutting Comcast. And I go, man, I wish Apple had a little bit more. 
And Apple's prettier, and Apple's faster, the TV product. But Roku's kind of got a little bit more. And Google TV, which is done called Uplay TV, it's a great cord-cutting service. I've been experimenting with it for two or three months, and I'm sold. Bye, Comcast. Apple's still a handset company. Does it have upside value is the big question a lot of people ask me. I think there's some value still in growth. And OLED, augmented reality, we're going to wait before we get excited about. We'll talk about Apple. Right now, I'm calling it a hold. Talk about more in the future. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So I just did a, a segment on Apple and should you own it or should you not? And I don't have that answer for you. I can tell you that I think they have enough opportunities and they've got enough costs on their financials that they can slash. And that's not necessarily a good thing or bad thing, but Wall Street tends to like it when people get fired. And Apple, you know, has the ability to buy some of their competitors and steal some of their technology. Or not steal, but R&D their technology. And you're starting to see companies try to differentiate themselves with, we use all solar power. They're, everyone's focusing on the future right now. So I throw that out there for you. It's a big company. It's the Andre the Giant of stocks. It is tough. Or the mountain from Game of Thrones, to give you a better reference. It's tough to get bigger than that. It's like, I'm the mountain mountain. Or I'm the, the mountain with a big mole on it. It's tough to get bigger. So throw that out there. Mortgage rates have been up recently. And a lot of people think this may be the beginning of the end for housing. Now, we've heard this before. <clears throat> have we not? Housing is starting to fall apart. Run, chicken little, run. And we always look back, like, why did you tell me the stock market was going to crash? Okay, <laughs> that's totally fair. Because um, I don't have a crystal ball is probably the right answer. But you're going to see times where people look at the um, housing markets, and they'll say, look at what's happening in Sweden. Look what's happening in Australia. Look what's happening in Southern California. London house prices fall in stark division with the rest of the UK. New York's not having a hot year. And people are like, well, that's not my house. Well, you don't know, because you haven't put your house up for sale. So that's out there. Um, and it's warning signs that you want to pay attention to. But with that being said, uh, you don't want to get too caught up in it. Anyhow, uh, mortgage rates are, in my opinion, clearly marching higher, right? So as mortgage rates have moved higher all year long, and last year, trending higher, you're seeing the cost of a mortgage move higher. And that could be what undoes the housing market. In large part, the costs go up for owning a home. You own a million dollar home or a five hundred thousand dollar home at four percent. It's way cheaper than it is at five percent on a mortgage rate. So we pay attention to this again. We don't over dramatize it. I don't want to live. I don't want to push you into a world of fear. If I were to say, has Apple peaked, and is Apple a correlation to housing prices? 
I can see there's a correlation if you were to say Apple, Google, Facebook, as they go, so goes Peninsula. You could probably start looking at some studies as as Apple, Google, and Facebook do, so goes cities and areas like Truckee and Tahoe and Hawaii. If your stock's near all-time high, sometimes you go to yourself, hey, sugar booger, our stock's at an all-time high. What should we do? I don't know. Should we buy a a boat? Ah, I don't want to get a boat. I get seasick. Maybe we should buy a, a vacation house. So luxury items tend to start shooting higher when stocks are at all-time highs, and a luxury item is a second home. So there's a lot going on with this whole you know, simple, simple concept of mortgage rates. They're on the rise for the second consecutive week. They've hit the 30-year levels not seen since last May. I know you're saying, okay, okay. That's not, you know, we're not breaking out. The upward trend, though, comes at a time when there's a challenging period in the United States and I think internationally. May house prices that were released last week reflected a slowdown in the upward trend in house prices. The sector is beginning to see an upward trend in inventories, supply and demand. So if you were to say, oh, crystal ball, can you please tell me when housing has hit an all-time high? Well, I think it's at an all-time high in some markets, and I would be cautious. Um, in large part, until we see what the Fed... I own homes. I'm not selling homes. Would I be cautious committing new money? I'd be picky. You don't want to buy property at an all-time high with mortgage costs at you know trending higher. Right now, the 30-year fixed mortgage is right around 4.6% up in the United States. A year ago, that was 3.93%. You could buy a lot more home then. 15-year mortgage sits now at 4.0%, 4.08 versus last year's 3.18. That's almost a 33% cost increase in the cost of interest rates. That's big. It makes it you buy way less. So housing and mortgages out there at this point in time, and again, supply and demand. Demand's starting to creep higher. Supply is starting to creep higher, and demand rebalancing should ultimately provide some much-needed relief for prospective home buyers. And we haven't said that in a while. And again, it's eh. the thing that I hate is I do think real estate is all about location, location, location. And sometimes it can make no sense for you. But in the end, it does catch up, and interest rates are one of those things that, that, that are important. But also, I want you to take a look at data and see that housing prices do come down significantly at times. And it's really important for you to be honest with yourself on your monthly your mortgage payment. Because you can buy a house at $500,000, it can go up to a million. It can go back down to five hundred, down to two fifty, but you're still paying that $500,000 mortgage. It, it felt like a value when the thing was double up, but it feels like a, 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 a anchor when prices move ever so slightly lower. I'm kind of sad today. Andrew Nui is uh, leaving Pepsi. Not a lot of women, not a lot of women um, run corporate companies in America. And I would say she was one of the most famous ones probably of all time, right? Is that fair to say? PepsiCo's big company. Big, 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 big company. So Apple, Facebook, and Spotify have shut down InfoWars Alex Jones. I don't get too much into political content as far as media goes. Whether you like Art Jones, Alex Jones, or if you like Art Bell talking about you know alien aircrafts and UFOs, or if you like Rush Limbaugh, political shows are awesome. I, I think they, you know, they, they give you know a lot of content that people want to hear, 
And in radio and television and podcasts, it, it's an industry that's struggling right now. Podcasts are booming, obviously, but they don't have the money that radio used to have. Radio's doing okay right now, but they don't make the, you know, the, the broad swath that television makes. Television right now, if you're a local market, you're, you're all about the elections. Except for you're in a, unless you're in a California television market. Because in California, you've got two political parties. You've got Democrats and extreme liberals. And the D- Democrats hate the extreme liberals, and the extreme liberals hate the Democrats, and they both laugh at the Republicans in coastal towns of California. I'm not talking about all the thing. But, um, so Apple has scrubbed nearly all of Alex Jones's Inf- InfoWars podcast from iTunes and its podcast app. I don't know how I feel about this. Political leanings aside, I don't... I, we have the right to say stupid things, but we don't have the right to say fire at a movie theater. And I don't know about the right for hate speech. I'm not an attorney. I'm not smart enough. I kind of thought we had the right to say it. But Apple says they don't tolerate hate speech, adding the creators who violated its guidelines would be punished. That's, to me, a little... See, that can get a little bit off the train tracks. Where do you draw the line? Is, you know, some of the, the viral links sent to you that are... How shall we say not hosted by PG websites? Is that violating, you know, guidelines? And so soon after Apple removed Jones's podcast, Facebook and Spotify also shut down the conspiracy theorists. And I think you all agree that fake news is probably fake news, but does someone have a right to have fake news? I don't know. This is an interesting moment for these big companies as they start becoming purveyors of content. And at one point in time, Apple, Facebook, and Spotify said, this is a wild, wild west. Go at it, guys. While ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox all said, wait, 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 wait. We're not allowed to do that. Go at it. But we've already seen Facebook admit that 2018, the elections have already started looking like they're being tampered with. And what's that going to look like and sound like in two or three months as we draw closer? Apple does not tolerate hate speech. And, I, you know, that's an awesome thing. Um, I don't know when we start saying this is what it looks like and this isn't what it looks like. Um, or we get into a, a situation where like a justice, Supreme Court justice once said, you know, I know what pornography looks like. I just can't you know, explain it to you. Um, so companies that glorify violence, which violates graphic violence policy and uses dehumanizing language to describe people who are transgender, Muslims, and immigrants, violates hate speech, as says Facebook's. So Alex Jones goes down. Alex Jones lives long and prospers on YouTube still. He's got two and a half million subscribers. So is Google going to come under war for this? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Something's got to give. The way tech stocks have been moving up recently, it's almost too good for all people. Apple hit that vaunted $1 trillion. That's a lot of zeros. Write it down. It's bigger than any other company before it. Apple controls swaths of wealth. Apple employs swaths of wealth. Apple investors swaths of wealth. And the company even has cash reserves that outstrip the GDP of Finland. I know. They can buy Finland. Which would be kind of cool. Whoa. 
with the rise of massive tech companies, we're kind of getting into those George Orwellian kind of scope of vision of if you've ever looked at, have you ever seen dystopian futures? There's typically uber big, massive companies and everyone else lives in caves in the darkness. So Apple's been doing big buybacks. Jeff Bezos, though, once famously said that space travel was the only way he could think of to deploy his extensive financial resources. Jeff Bezos, the richest guy in the world, says, I, I want to put my money in going to space. Apple says, I want to put my money into buybacks. Hmm. Then you start giving away. How else do we give money away? There is a big theory out there about giving, not big theory, that corporations like Amazon, Apple, and owe it to the people that use their product to give them money. And maybe be part of a government solution for a universal basic income, which is a proposed solution, tech-driven job losses. And I'll be honest with you, I saw like a, a robot do uh, stunt work recently. I'm like, well, good thing I'm not a stunt man. Better way of saying it is, if I was 10 years old and my dream was to be a stunt man, I'd be like, uh-oh, the writing's on the wall. So there's more and more theories about being more charitable as a nation and more charitable as corporations. Stanford University professor Rob Reich considers whether we should celebrate charitable giving at all. And again, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Should we not? In 1930, there were about 200 private foundations in the United States. In 2014, there's nearly 100,000. And they've got worth of $800 billion. There's so much money sloshed around foundations whether it's the Gateses, the Jobses, or the Zuckerbergs. The Clinton Foundation pay to play. In the United States and elsewhere, big philanthropy is often an unaccountable, non-transparent, donor-directed, and perpetual exercise of power. Right now, in the um, world of raising money, there's a lot of power in the donor saying, I want my money to go this way. So will foundations have a more meaningful role and will they push government's assistance aside? Something's out there. And then you look at Jeff Bezos and his blue origins and less of a profit motive and more of a R&D and bringing the cost of space flight down. Giving money is interesting, to say the least. Let's take a look at some of the big stories out there today. Um, again, buybacks have been a big one. There's no doubt about it as far as holding companies' valuations a little bit higher. Some of the other stories that I do want you to pay attention to and focus on is that it's the start of the week. Summer's starting to wind down. People who were on vacation last week are starting to come back to work as school starts in the next two weeks. Apple was up 9% last week with a trillion-dollar valuation. The S&P 500 kind of rode the coattails of Apple and stopped 1.1% short of its all-time high. We've had a good, good run. And it's not just Apple. Telco services up 2.2% last week. Healthcare up 2.1%. Consumer staples up 1.8%. And utilities up 1.2%. And when you look at utilities, staples, healthcare, and telco, those are considered defensive. So a lot of money last week, while we were all paying attention to Apple, a lot of money went into defensive areas. Is that the writing on the wall? 
China's ready to dig in right now, it looks like, with its protectionist trade measures. The White House is said to be reserving the possibility of imposing tariffs on auto imports from Canada. First round of sanctions go into effect with Iran today. <clears throat> I listened to a lot of Asian CNBC and Asian, Asian Bloomberg over the week. And I can tell you that uh, the world's kind of waiting to see what's going to happen to the United States. And everyone, everyone across the board is saying it's, it's, it's bad for trade. Trade wars is bad for trade. Trade wars don't necessarily equal bad for global economies, but we started to see some weakness in global economies. So there's some flags out there. Germany reported a disappointing 4% decline in June factory orders. And in my opinion, we want everyone to do okay. Sometimes we don't want them to do great, and sometimes we don't want them to do poorly. But as much as I don't like the Germans for what they did to France in World War II... I know you're saying, did you have family in France? No, not that I know of. My mother... Yeah, anyway. <clears throat> so Germany, I want them to do well. I want Indonesia to do well. But you don't want it ever to get too hot because it creates inflation. You never want it to get too cold because it creates deflation, which is just as problematic. So PepsiCo announced that near is going to be stepping down as CEO, effective October 3. A little bit sad by that. She's one of those CEOs that if you had CEO bubblegum trading cards... She'd be on it. Pretty dominant, pretty good, pretty ex- ex- expressive and, and solid career. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.